Welcome back to Word Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you on a beautiful Monday night. Isn't it amazing how 22 degrees on a, when it's been like two for the last couple of weeks just feels like 50? I don't know. Well, it wasn't two in Florida, so it yeah, That's it true. Wasn't. Probably this feels cold for you. Uh, no doubt. Actually, I wasn't in town either. Um, but uh, thanks, everybody, for coming out here to Split Rocks. Uh, our next live show, by the way, is February 8th at Elsie's. Uh, sorry, Tuttle's. You'll, you'll edit that, Brandon. Uh, February 8th at Tuttle's is our next Brandon live show. Not to record what you were saying up here. I know. That was something else. <laughs> uh, so, again, February 8th at Tuttle's is our next live show. And then February 21st, we will be at Elsie's uh, the day after the Winnipeg Jets game, by the way. So everybody's going to want to come to that show because Lord knows we're probably going to have a lot to talk about. So, again, February 8th at Tuttle's, February 21st at Elsie's. Uh, really looking forward to those live shows. In February, as usual, we'll do four shows in February. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors. As you can see, everybody up here at Split Rocks, there's a beautiful uh, 1978's uh, retro reverse Minnesota Wild jersey autographed by the man, the myth, the legend, and the first star of the NHL this week, Kirill Kaprizov. Um, that we've been doing a, a raffle tickets for the last four or five live shows. That will be picked by our social media manager on, or excuse me, drawn by our social media manager uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, the day this pod comes out. It will be tweeted the winner on Talk North's uh, Twitter account. So make sure you follow Talk North to know if you've won. And then uh, Hannah, our social media manager, will get in touch with you uh, to get that jersey to you if you were the lucky person that uh, won that drawing. So uh, really cool that Talk North has that. As usual, we have five Talk North worst seats in the house uh, jersey, uh, T-shirts up there as well. You come up, the first five people that ask a question, get a T-shirt. If you do have like 50 T-shirts at home, maybe uh, keep it up there for the next person to ask a question. That'd be really cool. Uh, Anthony, I just mentioned Kirill Kaprizov, uh, first star of the week, five goals, three assists in the last four games, has been has 10 goals in his last 10. And it really isn't it amazing the way the complexion of the season changed in those seven games he missed. You really do the way that he was playing before his injury, the way the Wild were winning before his injury. You really do have to wonder how fate has changed just by the seven games that he missed because he has been. He's just picked up right where he left off. He has, and it did coincide with a couple other injuries too. Of course, when yeah. he happened to be out, but it was interesting. The day he came back, Zuccarello had already come back, and I can't remember if I was working the game with I think it was with Wes. I can't remember if he was doing the game or the pregame, but he was there that night, and we were just sitting in the morning looking at the wild lineup, and he looked at it and he said, "Isn't it amazing when you put ninety-seven back in there? How the whole thing just looks like it makes sense now." Because now all of a sudden, the second line had Matt Boldy on it, along with Jewel Erickson Eck. The top line has Kaprizov and Zuccarello. It just looks like an NHL lineup again when you add him to it. And he has, he's just been amazing. And I, I, was, I did a radio show this morning, and I was talking a little bit about last night's game in Raleigh. And it's just the latest in a long list of games where the difference of having a guy like Kaprizov in your lineup that Minnesota's mm -hmm. never had. Think of how many times for 10 years we talked about Wild dominate the game, outshoot them terrifically, but cannot score, can't finish, can't finish. And then the guy, one chance the other way, winds up in the back of the net. That's what Kaprizov did last night. Second shot for the Wild comes in the final two minutes of the first period. They've been under siege the entire period, but he has a great deflection and scores. Second period, he has the play from the high slot where he just wheels and throws it on net and scores. At one point, they had 12 shots on goal. He had five of them. And, but that's like what Patrick Kane used to always do to the Wild. The Wild would be all over him, and all of a sudden, the puck lands on Kane's stick once, and it's in the back of the net. And Kaprizov's that guy. And the Wild have just never had that guy. And it's, it's kind of fun when you have him on your side, and all of a sudden, it doesn't have to be a game where sheer volume is on your side, and you can find a way to win. Freddie Anderson all year long has had a medical, um, you know, malady that has really kept him out of the lineup and hopefully he's doing well. looks like he's going to be back at some point. Um, then there, you know, Kochetkov uh, got hurt a couple of weeks ago. Antti Ranta, who's been so bad this year that was eventually sent to the minors is now the one up there. At they some point, they can't win. In, with in, those the, two in the second intermission last night, I heard that Bill Guerin and Don Waddell were talking. You think Don Waddell was just begging him for flurry? Like, like they've got to get a goalie. This is a stand. They have long felt that this 
Like, they don't want to be the San Jose Sharks of this decade. Remember how long the Sharks tried to win a cup and just could never get over that hump? Obviously, they wound up going to the Stanley Cup final and losing it, I think, in 2016 against Pittsburgh. Um, but they've got to get a goalie. They've got to get a goalie. They don't score easily enough to overcome the crummy goals that they continue to yeah, give up. It, well, and until last year, it was always that. that they, we had the stat in the broadcast last night. I don't know if you were watching the show or not, but they are number one on in mute. the league in, in shots. I was, listening to, I was listening to the fan. Oh, that's perfect. The, well, then the, you wouldn't know what the hell happened. Yeah. But the, the, we, the shots on goal differential, they're number one in the league this year. They've been in the top ten eight years in a row. They've been number one overall five times during that stretch. Their shot differential over that eight-year stretch is plus almost 3,000. Mm-hmm. The next team is plus 1,100. The difference was 995. <laughs> and yet, they've just never had the finisher. Last year, remember, they went and got Max Pacioretty, and it, everybody thought that's going to be the last piece that they just, now they've got the guy that is going to be able to create the team that can now finish. And then Pacioretty lasted five games and blew out his Achilles and was done. Against the Wild. and Right. On and the so, last shift of the game. And so now, this year, they don't have Pacioretty anymore. They're back to being that same. It's, John Hines phrased it this way yesterday. He said, they're the perfectly constructed team. Mm-hmm. They have a big, strong, mobile defensive core. They're deep up front. They've got maybe the best checking line in the league centered by Jordan Stahl. But they just don't finish enough to overcome bad goaltending. And who knows? Freddie Anderson... Nobody's around there seen him since like mid-November. He supposedly was getting close working out at one point, but then the I talked to some of the media in Carolina. They said, we haven't been allowed to ask about him, let alone talk to him for the last month and a half. So nobody knows for sure when or if he'll be back. He's been injury-ridden throughout his career, so I don't know that it's fair to expect that he's going to all of a sudden pop back and then be the guy you can ride down the stretch. And it's too bad because the rest of that team is a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I, I remember I saw Pacioretty actually um, uh, um, today. I forgot he was on Washington until I saw him in the locker room and <laughs> it's the Caps. Um, but just came yeah, back and he's yeah. been really good at it. Yeah. He's played nine well, games. Well, he's a heck of now. a player. And, yeah. and you know, that that's the one thing is like, like first of all, I just have this flashback to being in Raleigh last, last year in January. And that injury happened and walking into the Carolina locker room because it turned out to be a big national story that since I, we don't have a Raleigh writer at the athletic, I was I'm like, I'll just write a, a headline off of it. And so I go in their locker room. I've never been in a more somber, victorious locker room in my life than that one. Um, but uh, like and then, you know, Svechnikov then tears his ACL a week after the trade deadline. Like if you remember, I was shadowing Carolina's GM during the trade deadline. And they did. They only added Ghost Gossesbear. Really, nobody else. They added the kid from uh, Irvy uh, or whatever from Edmonton. That's not even the league right now. Um, but but they added Ghost because they felt like they were set up front. Then they lose Fetch like less than a week later, and then you lose Pacioretty in January. And you just think about why in the Eastern Conference Final they were only able to score four or five goals. So there you go. Um, and and I think last night, like they have talented guys on that team, like Teravainen and Svechnikov and Aho. Oh, special. But what it what I loved about last night's game is that we saw Kirill Kaprizov show everybody what it's really like to have a true finisher, and and how special it is on this team. And what he's doing now is what he wasn't doing at the beginning of the year. That's this is what we've come to expect from him. And man, is he delivering right now? Yeah, that's he's been outstanding. That's what we were talking about. Before, I don't know why you segued into Carolina there for a while, but now we're back to where we started. Yeah, exactly. Kaprizov's been, he's been amazing. And, and think about the, go back to right before Christmas when it was just before his injury and the way he finished in those back-to-back overtime winners and the, the, those opportunities are the ones that when he was out, they weren't cashing in on those. And, And then they're losing a bunch of three to two, two to one games at the beginning and then when they started to open up and loosen their game in an attempt to score that's when things really came unraveled but with him in the lineup we were talking around our office today about what their prognosis is for the second half and if he continues to go the way he's going and and it carries the offense the way it is this team's capable of ripping off seven out of eight or eight out of nine and getting themselves right back into the middle of the playoff race if they 
can keep everybody else on the on the active roster healthy. And now they're starting to lose. You know, they now they're starting to lose guys again. Obviously, with Flower out, uh, Goudreau out. Um, haven't sure. seen if Raska is fine from his injury last night. I, I assume he's okay. Um, but we'll find out at the morning skate uh, against the before they play the Capitals. Um, but you know, I just and and that was an impressive win. I mean, Carolina had been playing great. They had only lost in regulation, I think, once since Eight, December. One, and one in their last yeah. ten. They were eleven two and four in their last seventeen, and had been the highest scoring team in the mm-hmm. league over that stretch. A forty percent power play, and the Wild shut them down on the kill four times. I think so. It was. Yeah, I thought it was a really impressive win. Um, f- five power play goals the other night against the Florida Panthers. Uh, y- your voice even held up for four of them. <laughs> four of them. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's just. Uh, I mean, but but we are like that was a shocking. I'd game. like to say it was dry, but we were in South Florida, so it was yeah, the opposite, whatever the opposite of yep. dry is. Yeah. At some point, you're gonna have to stop using that excuse and maybe go get your vocal cords uh, checked. Make sure yeah. you don't have some polyps Let's on edit there. That part out, Brandon, because I've heard there's a chance I've heard that a couple times at home. Yeah, yeah. Go uh, from your wife. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, singers get polyps on their vocal cords. That could be what's going on. I'm just saying, either that or you're going through puberty again. It could, but, be, um, it could be that. But uh, like that. How many sh- more times you've been to the doctor since the last time I've been? I'm to going the tomorrow morning. I know you. Are. Actually, I have two doctors' appointments <laughs> tomorrow. Right. Um. So. Uh, but like in, in all reality, like that game to me shocked me. Like I, the wild get smoked the night before um, in Tampa just didn't look good in that game. Uh, Gus didn't look great in that game. And then they go into Florida and you're just thinking on a second of a back to back against a team that in Florida, the wild have not played well against for a number of years since the days of remember Miko Koivu, I think had a four or five point game there. Um, it's been a long time since they've played an actual quality 60 minute game there. And they, they, you know, five power play goals. They were they were outplayed dramatically, actually, at even strength, especially the top line. In all the three of them minus three. Were. Right. Except if you look at it, they actually were better analytically in that game than they were in Tampa, mm-hmm. the top line. Yep. And so I'll just throw that. I had some friends who happened to be in Vegas at the time who had texted me for some, hey, you know, what do you think about a few hockey games? And I had throw. I said I'd take the Wild tonight when they were in Florida. I just said that I really liked the way they played in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I thought they they gave up three power play goals, but other than that, like at five on five, I thought their game was actually pretty good. They took stupid penalties and they paid the price for it. But the way Hines talked after the game, I thought was significant. It's the first time that he had made pointed post game comments since he had taken over, and he just said, "Look." This game has nothing to do with the penalty kill. It has to do with the penalties we took. We didn't manage the game right. The the penalties, we, we got to figure it out inside that room right now about understanding the clock, understanding the score, understanding what's happening. And the biggest penalty he was talking about was the Johansson penalty that came with one second left in the second period. They had just fought back to get the game to four to three. It's a harmless play coming down the wall and he carelessly throws his stick off a guy's shoulder. Now, the guy embellished it by throwing his head back, and and you can argue whether or not it actually was a high stick, but he put himself in the position to have the penalty called with no chance to make a play. It would be different if there were 30 seconds left, and you thought by creating a turnover you might make. There was one second left. Yeah, you're asking for trouble. Nothing was going to happen. Get to the period. Get to the locker room. It's 4-3, to and you're in the game. Instead, they come out, and they score on the power play in the opening minutes, 5-3, and... And then Isn't they took amazing? another stupid penalty, and yeah. they're down 6-3. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how many times the Wild have been beaten on the penalty kill this year because of an embellishment penalty? Yeah, I mean, uh, twice that game. It has been. And then, so that's, but that's my point, is that he wasn't talking about the, the calls or the penalty kill. He was talking about putting yourself in the position to do it. So I just had a feeling they were going to bounce back in Florida. Would have never guessed they were going to score five power play goals. But really... They were outplayed dramatically in the third period of that game. The first two, they really weren't. It was, I thought Minnesota played the game the way they've been, that they have to play. And then they followed it up with the same kind of performance in Raleigh. And yes, they, Raleigh, the, the Hurricanes were all over them in the first period. But the second and third period, the, Minnesota's game, I thought, was fine. And I just, I like the way they played those two. Those are the two, I think, that are the, more the template for what the, we have to see from this team down the stretch. Yeah, um, I, I, f- I feel like uh, that was one of those games where uh, it, it 
it, definitely if it wasn't for their power play, though, the way that they played in the third, the way they were outplayed, I thought that was going to be a, right. no, a problem. I will say, by the way, that John Hines the night before complaining about the uh, the, the bad penalties, I, I almost envisioned Dean Evason at home in Montreal, just like, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, yep, AF and men, yep, you know, like, like just like, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm well aware of now, what you're talking about right. with the stupid penalties this team takes. But now, here's what was interesting, is then you get to Florida. We mentioned this in the broadcast, too. They are, I think they were one of three teams that took more penalties per game than the Wild going in. And we talked about it right off the top. The, it was the first thing the Florida broadcasters, when we were talking before the game, they said, well, you just wait. Panthers will take three stupid penalties tonight, put you guys in the power play. And I thought, Am I, are you talking about the wild? Cause this is what, this is what we've been watching all year. And he said, you watch. And sure enough, Florida did. They took so many undisciplined penalties in that game and Minnesota to their credit made them pay. So I think it was a little bit of a, you know, whenever you look at those analytic numbers, they mm-hmm. always, there's a column that you can look at it. that's score adjusted because once it was five, two, Florida put the pedal to the metal and Minnesota was just in hang on for dear life mode. So it made it look like it was a lot more one-sided than it really was. Most of that happened after it was, after the game was, was in Minnesota's favor five to two. But I thought what was significant was when Hines took the timeout when it was five to four. Yeah. At that point, Gus looked like he could give up eight. (laughs) He had been blitzed the night before and came in in relief of flurry. Didn't look sharp, but whatever happened during that timeout to the rest of the team to help them settle down also got Gus and Heinz was calm. He was calm. Yeah, he, like talked he, wasn't, about it, yeah. he talked about it in Raleigh. He said that was one, the, the timeout in Tampa, he said, I felt like we had, they needed to hear what had gotten away from the game. The one in Florida, he said, I felt there, we just needed to catch our breath, Take a breath yeah. calm down and just go back to playing the way we had played the rest of the night. But Gus, so there was 11 and a half minutes left in the game at that point. He went 14 for 14 the rest of that game, and then 40 for 42. And of those 42, I'm going to say there were 10 or 12 great A's in Raleigh. I mean, that's what you're going to need. 54 out of 56 over the last 71 minutes. That's the kind of goaltending they had seen from Gus during Hines' first 14 games. It's the first time we've seen it since he came back from injury. So hopefully that means he's back on top of his game and back confident. The glove save he made late in the game and. Florida was amazing. He had a couple really good ones in in Carolina the next night. So hopefully that's a sign that he's back. Did it shock you that Will Lockwood uh, got one a hearing, but two, three games as opposed to one or maybe two? Yeah, that's exactly what a friend of mine texted me. And he said, are we protecting goalies like quarterbacks now? This is ridiculous. And and I said, the first thing I said to him is I thought he'd get suspended, but I thought it'd be a game or two, three. Did you even think he'd get suspended before they came out that there's a hearing? Because I yes. just thought it was a two-minute minor. No, I thought it was a suspendable hit. Really? When I th- well, he hit him on the chin and knocked the goal, knocked the guy out of the game. Mm-hmm. And I know that we always say that the Department of Player Safety doesn't pay attention to whether or not the player got injured, but I think it was. I don't know. I I still think um, that that uh, Flower comes out of the net. He's spread like the entire width of the. Uh, back of the cage to the boards, basically. Um, yeah, the guy could stop like skating, but he's got the right to that puck. And it looked to me like he was trying to squeeze in between uh, Flower and the boards. And I, I don't know where he was going to go with his with his body. And obviously, he made contact. To me, it's an interference minor, a, a, a check to the head, whatever. I, I just think I don't think that was. I've seen worse. I, I've seen worse. I thought yeah. he'd get suspended for a game, but I didn't think yeah. three. I thought was surprising the only thing that 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 caught my eye with it was and i can't remember which official was in which spot but the referee standing right there he i don't care what he says later he was not going to call yeah no it was the guy from center ice that came in and the guy from center ice didn't call it right away either Uh if you watch the wide shot yeah Neither one of them put their yeah. arm up until the skirmish happens in the corner. Yeah. And the one guy's eight feet away from the play. Yeah. And he, and I thought when I watched it, I, you know, it's who knows what's in the guy's mind. I thought he looked like a guy that was not going out of his way in any way to avoid the goaltender. I thought he went in there like, I'm going to make this look like, like the Ryan Hartman type plays where I'm going to accidentally hit this guy in the chin. <laughs> and I thought that's how it looked to me with Lockwood, who was kind of an out of control guy anyway. But 
the referee right there doesn't put his arm up until the wild jumped the guy in the corner. And then now he has to call something. And I'm sure then after the fact, maybe they talk about it and said, well, boy, did we miss something on that hit of the goaltender? And you know, the, we didn't know that flurry at that time was hurt, but I'm looking the, at the replay right I now. I want to see which ref actually, I will say this. It was Jake Brank is behind the net. And his arm does go up right the way. Not, it doesn't right away. Like, if you like, watch it from the, you got to see it here. from the wider angle. His arm doesn't go up when the first hit. Like, happens. look at him right there. Right, watch. So there's the hit. Arm doesn't okay, go yeah, up yeah. until after there's a yeah. pile up in the corner. Okay, yep, yep, I agree. And that is Jake in the lower because he's a southpaw. So, um, from Detroit Lakes, Dad's the mayor. Yep. Um, so I thought it, I, I thought it was really interesting though. I mean, have you ever seen? Both goaltenders just leave the game simultaneously. That, that was crazy. That it was. Yeah. It felt like an exhibition game where okay, it's halfway through the second period. Both guys go to the bench. Yeah, and, I know. And but you, you know, wouldn't shock because some of the Wilds lineups the last couple month has felt like an exhibition game. Um, what do you think, Corey Perry signing with Edmonton? They've won twelve in a row. Uh, I will say, when we were there in early December, Jim Matheson of the Edmonton Journal wrote right away that the that the Oilers were going to go after him when he was cleared to return. You surprised that they would add him when things are going it's the so same swimming. team that added Evander Kane when nobody else in the league yeah, would touch him with a ten point. foot pole. So, yeah. uh, who knows? Zach Parisi's close to signing. By the way, I think it's going to happen in the next couple of days. Um, so we're going to. Uh, my guess is that he'll skate with them through the end of the All Star break and then uh, then be ready to debut. I think Colorado's the team he's going to. Uh, by the way, um, I think Boston's had interest, but I, I think uh, Islanders are out. That's just my my gut uh, right now, but uh, this is the a guy you know, signing Patrick Watt. I know that. Yeah, I'm aware. Um, well, I know. I said, "How about it?" I'm I not, know. I'm not saying you were. I'm not breaking news to you. I'm asking for your opinion. You know, excited for him. Excited <laughs> for them. I think he only goes there because he probably doesn't think Lou's going to last forever there. Uh, because you know that guy wants to run his own show as well. Um, you know, back to the Parisi thing. You know, what was shocking when I was looking at his stats uh, the last couple of days. He played 82 games in each of the last two years. He was good he last year. 21 goals last year, 16 and, at even strength. He's not and, just a power play. Guy. No, and most of that was playing in the bottom six. Mm -hmm. it, I thought his production last year was significant. It was. We talked a lot after those two guys were bought out that we both felt Ryan Suter probably had a lot more, still on a lot more tread on the tires moving forward where Parisi we thought might just be a year or two guy, but boy, he looked good last year and wouldn't surprise me if now jumping in in the middle of the season, he provides a spark wherever he ends up. Yeah. Not that Colorado needs it, but if you actually look at Colorado's depth chart, they have a, they have a big need for him. You know, they've got Curtis McDermott playing the free play, playing forward. They have like Samuel Girard on the power play playing wing. Um, you know, Miles Wood playing second line left wing. You know, we'll be happy if he goes to Colorado is Russ Colton. If you remember, I wrote that story a couple of years ago. Colton was a huge, huge Devils fan growing up and loved Zach Parisi and your broadcast partner, Ryan Carter. Uh, so pretty cool. Uh, we have a microphone up here. Uh, don't be shy. You can come up uh, and start asking questions. Otherwise, uh, I did ask for Twitter questions today. We can go to that as well. But, you know, you all are the ones that were that trekked uh, out in the in the just frigid Minnesota era to come out here. So you might as well ask questions and get yourself one of those snazzy t-shirts. So who wants to be first? Heather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who wants to be first? Come on up. So did you negotiate right. your way onto that, this trip for next year, the Tampa, it's Florida, not a negotiation. Carolina. I demanded it. Well, the last two years you've been left off. I know. Uh, no, I will be on next year's trip. All right. Louis claims he's already committed to it after the yeah, success. Yeah, I know. That he's uh, Ryan, Ryan Carter as well, uh, knows that he's no longer allowed to go to Florida and I'm sure West feels the same way. Like what the F right. You know, it's because he lives down there, even though uh, Louis likes to claim think, that he's a Minnesota. Yeah. He lives down there, but he also yeah. just, he doesn't live in New York and he's on the New York trip every year too. That's so true. You got to love Louie. He's got, he's, he's lives the in best Florida for half the year. His license plates are Wisconsin. <laughs> he figures out everything, the ways to get away with the stuff. 
Hey, it's Russo for Livia Weight Control Centers, and I've got some big, big news. Livia, the trusted leader in weight loss, is now offering breakthrough weight loss medications in their center locations. Livia's new medical weight loss program offers GLP-1 medications that will support you in overcoming those biological barriers that can make losing weight so difficult. Eliminate the food noise and experience accelerated weight loss, decreased appetite, alongside award-winning expert nutrition, personalized one-on-one support. Now that's a winning combination. I've been with Livia for less than a month and already know firsthand how easy losing weight can be thanks to their expert nutritional guidance and personalized one-on-one support. I've already lost more than 12 pounds and now their breakthrough weight medical weight loss program is available. I can't wait. When you join Livia, you'll be on your way to happier and healthier you. Visit Livia.com, that's L-I-V-E-A.com, or call 855-GO-LIVIA and find out more about their groundbreaking medical weight loss option. Visit Livia.com or call Livia Medical today at 855-GO-LIVIA. Start your weight loss journey the Livia way. Royal Credit Union's smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Make the switch to a Royal checking account and you'll also get real-time transaction alerts, free mobile check deposits, and surcharge-free access to over 40,000 ATMs across the U.S. Enjoy financial freedom with no minimum balance and no monthly fees when you switch to Royal's smart checking account. Learn more and open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA. Well, hopefully everybody was at the last show at Tuttle's because Ryan from Huxley Optical came and gave away a bunch of Brock Favor swag that was very generous of him. And Huxley is more than just the official glasses shop of Brock Favor. They're a local small business that makes glasses for the whole family. If you need prescription sunwear, gaming, or office lenses, Huxley can help. They'll even put new lenses in your own frames. Huxley's experienced staff knows what looks best on you and is happy to help you find a pair you love. Huxley is so good at what they do, they've even picked out a pair of glasses for me. It fits perfectly, I look stylish, and it was so, so easy. Huxley makes shopping for glasses easy for everyone. The folks at Huxley know what they're doing, whether you need glasses for your computer, sports sunglasses, or an everyday pair. Huxley can help you find something you love and save you some money in the process. If, in fact, Huxley Optical is here to help you get more from your HSA and FSA flex banding accounts. Find out more today at HuxleyOptical.com or go to their Roseville or YZ locations. What's up? Well, it's the first time that I've heard anybody in Minnesota talk positively about Parisi. So <laughs> I'm curious, if he was still here and scoring 20 goals, would he be worth the price? And then the second thing is, there's been a lot of talk about Fleury possibly being traded. And whoever we trade, I'm curious what you think our top need is as we keep trying to make a push for the playoffs. Oh, good questions. Actually, let's talk about the second stuff first. Um, first of all, um, you know, when I talked to uh, Bill Guerin the other day about the Jared Spurgeon injury, he made it extremely clear to me that he uh, plans to go out and get a defenseman and pretty quickly here, but he doesn't want to give up a first or second line. First or second round pick. He doesn't want to give up a top prospect. Um, you know, so third round pick, fourth, fifth, especially if he feels like he could recoup something at the deadline. So his goal is at some point here um, to get a defenseman that's going to help uh, right now. And then if things turn south and they are turned into sellers at the deadline, is good enough that then he could flip at the deadline. Um, to get you to, and, and uh, you know, we'll let Anthony comment on that in a second. And as far as your flurry comment, um, you know, it's going to be the same thing. Like at some point, if it hasn't already happened, my guess is that it will happen. You're going to have that conversation with Marc-Andre Fleury. The guy has been into, even though he hasn't played, you know, a ton for the wild in the playoffs. Um, he has been to 17 straight postseasons, if I'm right. Um, so you're going to just give him that opportunity that if somebody goes as interest in him, if he wants to go and move to that team, I think the teams out there, there are playoff teams that need goalies. You know, Toronto's one. Carolina, as we just talked about, is one. Um, you know, I, would, I said this on last week's pod. I would have said Edmonton a while ago, but Skinner's been just absolutely on fire. Um, Vegas has had injury problems, although Logan Thompson is playing really well lately, as uh, Anthony knows very well. Yeah, um, I think there are questions about L.A., especially the way they're playing lately. So there are teams that are going to need goalies uh, down the stretch. But there's also guys like Mislikins out there. There's Jake Allen out there. There's, there's um, you know, uh, uh, 
who else? I mean, well, he's not the only guy, but I, they're, you're I, right. I think they, they'll the have thing. the conversation. And the John Gibson. What was interesting about the defensive side of it is, it, it, I had the perspective and the chance to visit with Louie on this trip. And every time anything happens, the great thing about having Louie there is he sees everything through management's eyes. And if Ryan Carter or Wes Walls are doing the game, we it's a totally different conversation. And we're talking analytics, we're talking personnel, whatever. With Louie, it's always, no matter what I ask him, it's somehow going to come down to how much money the guy's making, how much money they've got invested in him. It, he sees everything through contracts and that way. So as soon as I brought that up to him, I said, okay, well, we got to talk about Spurgeon because the day before was when they had announced that he was going to be out for the year. And he said, well, he said, I don't want to talk. I don't want anybody to try to tell me that they should go trade for a defenseman. There's no reason. There's no way I would trade for a defenseman. And, and not that I necessarily agree with Louie, but it was interesting to hear his opinion about it. And I said, I just disagree. I think you, you, you owe it to this team to at least take a shot right now at somebody, give it three, four weeks until yeah. you get closer to the deadline. And then well, if it hasn't worked well, out, Louis also, Louis, Louis made a comment that, uh, I disagree with you and Joe about, about, uh, about them going, that they should go get a defenseman. I'm like, I didn't write that. I said, they are going to get a defenseman. I'm reporting what B- Bill Guerin is thinking of doing. That's not opinion. That's yeah. I, Jared Spurgeon got hurt and we are writing that they are going to go get a defenseman right. because that is what Bill De- Guerin has told us that he plans to do. That's we're not, that's not opinion. Right. So, so anyway, that was the, you had the same conversation with Louie that I did. Yes. It'll only, be mine, my, to, only mine. Uh, I was a little more aggressive in my reply to him. Yeah. I just told him that I disagreed with him and that was it. <laughs> uh, I'm like, the, then, he, then he ordered dessert and everybody was happy, <laughs> but it was, but that, that was, that was good. Hey, go back to the Parisi part of the question, I think is interesting because the problem with Zach Parisi is that here he was never going to accept the role that he accepted in New York. And exactly. I, Mike and I both had great relationships with Zach, and I, I like Zach. Yeah, and, I uh, a, just a one like, thing to clarify this isn't the first time you've ever heard people say nice things about Zach Parisi. No, I, <laughs> like, I like, like, just go read my coverage of him for nine years. Right. And we both liked him personally and, and a hardworking guy that could score and everything. But the reason why Minnesota needed to make the turn the page and make the change is that he and Ryan, for whatever their other attributes might be, they were never going to accept the roles they've accepted with other teams. And they had been empowered long enough here where they weren't listening to anybody. And Dallas sat Ryan Suter down and said, look, you are not going to play 29 minutes a night. You're going to play 21 or 22, and he's been a much better player because of it. Zach, you're going to be a third or fourth line guy, and the Islanders were able to do that. He he never accepted that role with the Wild. So and, and, they just I mean, needed just, fresh no, starts. To, now they're going to be fine. If Zach was still here, would he be worth the – what was it? Eight million that yep. per year that they were making here? Probably not to be a third I, yeah, line the, guy. the one thing I'll say, you know, that I I'm sure you're not in, inferring this, but I don't blame Zach and Ryan for that. Like, like, like Miko Koivu was the same way. He could not accept to, to being downgraded. I think when you're with a team a long time, especially when you have the fans watching a certain role, it's hard for you to transition. Eric Stahl couldn't do that here. He had to go to Montreal, Buffalo, and Florida for that to happen. Wound up a fourth line penalty right. and, killer, and he, and and he was, was fine there. But it. if it happened here, it would be very, very difficult. Um, I, I just think when you have success in one organization, it's hard to transition, no matter who the player is, unless you are just one unbelievable, yeah. strong-willed. You know, there are some guys who do it who yeah. then embrace that role, and you're still a valuable part of the team. But I just don't think those that was like likely Getzlaff to happen. Was one here. that did, but Corey Perry had to leave to go become that player. Um, Nick Foligno had to leave Columbus to be like it's it's just, it's just hard to when you're a top top guy for a team for a long long time to all of a sudden now have you know Father Time catch up and Father Time is undefeated. And you're now the third and fourth line. It just wasn't working. And also the way the wild wanted to play, it just wasn't going to happen anymore, you know, for Zach here. And he, to his credit, when a lot of people did think that he was quote unquote done, he goes to the Island and he plays 164 games in a row and gets 69 points. So there you go. What's up?
All right, I have a question for my son from Indianapolis. Nice. So he says, the eye test shows that with Faber, the power play is much better than when Spurgeon runs it. Do you know what the analytics show? Yeah, actually, the percentages show that it's almost exactly the same. But a part of it was when Spurgeon, it has more to do with the other guys that have been out. When the power, when the power play has been missing Kaprizov and Zuccarello, it's looked like garbage. And when those guys are back, it's looked great. Uh, but I, we looked at the analytics actually right about the time Spurgeon was coming back, even though he only lasted two games. And we looked at the chances, the shot attempts and those kind of things, because whether or not the puck's going in isn't always a fair way to assess. And they were almost identical between those two guys. I, Faber's done a great job. And I think what's most amazing about Faber is that this is a guy who played zero minutes on the power play in college and not played very little, played zero minutes on the power play. And now he's running the top power play on an NHL team as a rookie. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And, and you know, I know that the Black, that Blackhawk fans freak out when anybody ever points this out. But isn't it much more impressive what, what Faber has done this season so far in this lineup than what, what to me, Bedard's doing? Like, he, this guy is playing 30 minutes a night some nights right. with Spurgeon and Brodeen out of the lineup some nights. And this team didn't miss a beat when John Hines took over. And I just think it's, it's really, really says everything about this guy and the long future that he's going to have. Back one thing with the whole uh, Louis thing and, and how it makes no sense to get a defenseman. Like to me, though, one reason why it does make sense to get a defenseman is to take some pressure off Brock. You know, obviously, it's good that Brodeen is back right now. But Brock, you know, th- this guy is about to play, eight, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, without an injury, 82 games this season for a guy that for four years or three years at the University of Minnesota played 40 games. So, like, it is, I think, imperative to just understand there could come a point where he's going to hit a rookie wall, that he's going to need some responsibility dialed back, and to get him some help. And that's why, again, as long as Bill Guerin is true to his word and that he's not about to give up a first or second round pick for a pipe dream for a month, um, you know, then, then it makes sense. If you can go out and get somebody that's going to help now, See if you can get this team back to where it was at the end of December when it looked like they were guaranteed to make the playoffs. And then if worse comes to worse, it doesn't work. You trade him March 8th for maybe the third that you traded to get the guy. So who knows who that player is? I I actually, like, I know that people think that we're screaming for Matt Dumba. He just makes a lot of sense. But Matt has had a horrendous year. He hasn't had a good year. No, like, I mean. And let's just, we'll just throw this out. Louis is also the guy who made sure his team finished in the right position to get the number one overall pick one year to get Bobby Smith. I mean, he is a guy who's willing to look at it and say, I don't care if we win, lose, or otherwise this year, because I'd almost rather end up at the bottom and get that guy. So he's you know looking what? at he it that way. He did that, Twitter didn't exist. No, I'll that, tell you well, that. that's true. And he didn't, I'm the one that's got to deal right. with the tanking stuff right. that's happening and when the teams lose every a, night. He didn't have an owner that was telling him, hey, look, we definitely want to be. A, yeah. Didn't have a veteran roster like he's got right now. So there's, a, there's some other variables, but he just looks at it in a simplistic form like, hey, sometimes you just got to make sure you lose enough to end up where you want in the draft. I don't disagree, actually, but I mean, you know, I just, do disagree. But know, it, it would never work today. You can't do it. Today. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it means absolutely nothing. You could, the Waddle could finish 32nd in the league. The, the chances of them, you know, getting them one prick, as we know, technically it's 20%, but it would probably be zero because we are in Minnesota. Nice Jersey. What's up? Thanks. Um, Anthony, on the last podcast, you were talking about how the they ended up with the 78s for the North Star Retros. Yeah. And I thought, they wanted to emulate a team from the mid-70s that won. This is where they should have yeah, gone. That would have been, that would be that interesting. Was, that, that was a far more exciting team to watch than in the North Stars at that time. Bruce Boudreaux was on that team, right? Oh, wow. Oh, there you go, Walton. Yeah. A pure goal scorer, yeah. shaky <laughs> Walton. Okay, first question. Have either of you seen Marcus Johansson's picture on a milk carton? Because as far as I can tell, he's missing. Well, the the high stick the other night I yeah, saw him. Yeah, he was present for that one. Um, he I actually, mean, he had he, the tying goal in uh, Columbus a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he actually had a pretty good stretch for... Hey, what do you expect? It's like uh, one of their rare wins in the last right. month. I'm he, just telling you, a, I remember him. Right, he had about a 10-game stretch where it was like 10 points in 10 games, and that was when a bunch of these other guys were out. Now, these last, I'd say, three or four games, he hasn't been great. And in fact, Hines juggled the lines the other night and put Felino with 
Erickson Ekenboldi instead just to try to give them a, a guy who could win some puck battles. Is that in Raleigh or in Florida? That was in, it was actually in Tampa. Okay. I think was before it in reaction to his penalty? No, no, no. It was before okay. the trip. It was, he okay. had him playing with, uh, he had Johansson playing with Hartman and Goudreau to open that uh, trip in Florida or in Tampa. But it, I, it's, I think it's, he's a guy that he's not the driver of an offense. He's a supporting guy and he's on the second power play, not the top one. So he's never going to, he's going to be a 40 point guy. The stretch he had last year, where he was a point a game for the last 20 is not the, that's not who he is. No, it's not who he is. And unfortunately for Matt Boldy, that guy hasn't come back this season, but what he did for the last post trade deadline period last season with Boldy is the reason that Bill went out and re-signed him for two years. I feel like, I mean, if I didn't know better, he's either hurt or it's bait and switch and he just wanted a contract. Well, I don't think Billy got, Billy didn't look at it and say, hey, look, he scored 20 and 20, therefore he's going to score 82 and 82. But he knew what he was getting in Johansson. And his, he, he has the ability with his speed to, to be a factor on that line. But when this team was beat up, He's not the kind of guy that can step up and carry an offense. He just yeah. isn't. And he, he is what he is. He's not going to be like they were expecting him to be a first line left wing while Caprice was out. It's just not his. It's not him. He's a secondary guy. That's just always the way he's been, even when he was in, the, in Washington. And, um, and, you know, I don't blame Billy for that deal. I mean, he's a top six left wing on a team that is in cap hell and they got him at two times two. Um, you know, that, that is like, trust me, if they could afford Gustav Nyquist, they would have kept him, but they couldn't afford him. And when you, when you got the guy to say, oh, yeah, I'll take two times two. And you just watched what he did with Boldy in a top six role. I mean, the, the, the signing made all the sense in the world. And I think theoretically it still does, because I don't think that you're, you're getting somebody to fit that role at the money that he's making. That's just, that is what they're getting. He's a bridge to Yurov and Huznadinov and all those guys. And they, they genuinely, inside the organization, I think, are hoping that Yurov is going to be somebody that could step right into that role. Same position, top six guy. Um, you know, he could basically be where Zuccarello or Johansson is in two years. Um, second question. Your discussion about Billy telling you flat out he's going to get a D, a veteran D, to come in here for the stretch run. Isn't that more of an indictment of him giving extensions to Merrill and Goligoski that his seven and eight can't step up and he's desperate that he's got to go outside the organization and get somebody? Well, there is no doubt that the reason why he is planning on getting somebody is that Merrill and Goligoski have not been good. You know, well, yeah. whatever word you right. want to use they is haven't been but, good enough, but neither one of those guys is a Jared Spurgeon replacement. Right. I mean, you're but, talking but, about a but guy. Either is the guy that he's going to eventually get be Jared but he's he, is, he is only doing it because those two guys have well, been right. not good. But you're not comparing apples to apples. You're right. If you go out and get a guy, let's just say you can now go out on the market because you can go $8 million over the cap. You can go get a four, five, six million dollar player realistically. Goligoski and Merrill are a fraction of that. Right. And there's a reason but why. Let's see they what were, defensemen, like uh, to your point. Let's see what defensemen they get because I they're not going to be a five or six million dollar defenseman. It's going to be another you know decent guy that's probably also not fit for that role. Uh, like I could tell you that I mean there's there's just no doubt have, yeah, the reason why he's even thinking of getting a defenseman is because Merrill has been atrocious, well, right? And Galagasi hasn't been very good. But those you know? guys are not guys you would have said. You know what? I'm no expecting this yeah. guy can be a top four guy. Right. I haven't looked at the other teams to see who might be out there yet, but I'm it's not he's much. likely going to find a guy that's somewhere in between. There aren't very many teams who would say, hey, we lost our number one right shot defenseman, so let's grab our seven or eight guy and mm-hmm. say that we expect him to be able to fill it. Those guys, they were expected to be the six, seven, and eight defensemen for the Wild, and that's what they are at this point in their careers. They're not going to be more than that. For a night or two, Goligoski could jump in there and be fine, but not for 40 games. Yeah. He just can't. The Merrill situation is really fascinating to me. Like, I don't know if they're going to have to buy him out this summer or what. Like, he is, he just looks like, I mean, he has not been good. It's just, it's really unbelievable to watch. Um, I think the more concerning thing is that Hunt hasn't taken the reins and run with it when he's given opportunities. I think he's still, I think he's going to be a good player, but he's had chances now. This was a spot where I think Hines was hoping 
he could run Damon Hunt out there and let him play six in a row into the break. And but, he just uh, but I thought uh, he just he was okay, but he just wasn't. He didn't look like he was ready yet, and I'm surprised by that. I yeah. would have guessed that. Well, at I mean, this he's point, still a young day, but but yes. I but I would let, let, Let's he, make no the one th- one thing I want to make very clear. The only reason why Hunt isn't on this lineup right now is because of Goudreau's injury and, uh, and they had to have a forward up. Yeah. Like they had to, they had to recall Lucini when Durr got hurt. So the only person that they could send down without waivers right. was Damon. No, no doubt. I think he would be on this lineup right now and playing right now. If he, if he, if you know, but if, well, they, they could, they have some flexibility with, they can go over the cap now. But Yeah, but you still need they to have Ross, uh, 23, 23 men. Spots, and right, right now they, they didn't put uh Goudreau on IR yet. We'll see. Right. Um, question. What's up, Barb? How are Hi. you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, so you meant, you just mentioned Goudreau. What, I mean, do you know, you don't know any more about his injury or? Do you? I, I, no. I haven't been around the team the last week. Okay. So, yeah. uh, and uh, right now they haven't said much. So I don't even know what they happened. Didn't practice today. We, I didn't really ask when we were on. The Did trip. you see the incident in Tampa? Like what happened? I didn't. Yeah. No, I just noticed all of a sudden he wasn't playing, and I right. was yeah. going back to like, was he that lousy or is he hurt? And after the game, they <laughs> said he was hurt. <laughs> I, we weren't doing the game, so I wasn't paying as close attention as I normally would have been. I was working on stuff for the next night already, but I, I just noticed I hadn't seen him, and and as you know, Heinz. He doesn't offer much, and when we we knew he was out of the lineup, so I didn't really ask any specifics. Um, what is your level of concern on Spurgeon, as far as these two surgeries he needs now? And I mean, just what? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, he, he's thirty four years old, about to go. I don't know the type of surgeries he's having, but clearly he's been an unbelievably uh, banged up in terms of wear and tear. And he's got the the hip and the back. If it's the same back surgery that Zach Parisi had, well, then we know that that is absolutely doable to come back from and play at a high level for a long time. I mean, Zach is, as I just mentioned, didn't miss a game the last two years. And his last four years in Minnesota after his back injury, you know, performed well. So um, we'll see. Uh, he's getting up there in age. He still keeps himself in exceptional shape. He still looks like he's 24. Um, you know, but this is getting concerned because this has been many years in a row now where he has been banged up and this year he just never even had a chance to get started and uh for somebody making seven and a half million that's that's going to be on their cap for the next three years um you know it's 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 troublesome and as i've 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 said to some people like it really i was curious this summer if once his no move became a modified no trade if that at some points here whether it was now or in the future billy would stop start to shop him but now 34 year old coming off a 16 game season with um, you know, season-ending hip and back surgery is probably untradeable right now. So they need him to just you know rehab, get ready uh, for next season, and and hope that he's he's healthy. You know, if it, if there's anybody that could do it, it's him. I mean, he keeps himself in in you know tremendous shape. So doesn't look like an old thirty-four-year-old to me. That's for sure. So all right. Lots of questions coming up. I think up. it's it's for sure concerning, but I also am confident that they seem confident that he's going to be yeah. that he's going to be able to make a full recovery. Yeah, and he is too. Feeling overwhelmed by a growing to do list and shrinking schedule, spending more time stressing over household repairs and enjoying life. You're not alone, and Aquarius Home Services has your back. They are your trusted local, let us tackle your to-do list team. Aquarius Home Services is here to assist. Whether it's your furnace, electrical work, or plumbing giving you trouble, you choose the service, they will handle the fix, and take $98 off the repair cost. That's right, for any furnace, plumbing, or electrical repair, they're slashing $98 right from the price. Watch your to-do list shrink while you reclaim your time. No more worrying about flickering lights, leaky toilets, or noisy furnaces. Their dedicated professionals respect your home and your time. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Hey, everyone. Attorney Jerry Bosch here with Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. For almost 30 years, we've represented Minnesotans just like you all over the great state of Minnesota to guarantee they've been treated fairly and with respect when they've suffered a work-related injury. A work injury can change your life in an instant. You need someone on your side who can help you focus on getting back on your feet and getting paid while you do. You may be entitled to medical benefits, 
wage loss benefits, job placement, retraining, and payment for permanent disability. To make sure you are being paid all the work comp benefits you're entitled to, please call the attorneys at Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free, and there's never a fee unless we recover benefits on your behalf. Call 651-333-8300, Bosch Law Firm, or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Well, I'm not a grand ambassador, but I like the store, and I'm talking about Twill at the Galleria in Edina. It's a great spot for any kind of menswear. They do have suits and ties, but they also have a lot more of the casual sportswear lines. We talked about the fact I was going to wear my new twill sweater from Peter Millar when we went to Columbus, but then you had better plans and went out for dinner with somebody else, so you didn't get a chance to evaluate it. But I loved it. I actually got a couple compliments on it that day. I even got one from my wife, and which was rare, especially in January. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love the sweater, and they've also got a great new college line. I think I mentioned it on an earlier show that They've got some of your school colors from some of the Minnesota universities. So check that out. It's a great spot for any of your casual sportswear. It's Twill at the Galleria in Edina. Full disclosure, I'm a huge Eric Sinek fan. So I have two Who's questions. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I've been saying forever that they should have taken Eric Sinek over. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think exactly some people disagreed for a while. <laughs> yeah. um, first question, what are his chances of getting some serious Selkie uh, recognition this year and then uh, s second question to follow up a lot of times he just gets pounded in front of the net yeah and some of our other more slight players are getting run at a lot is there a time where you think some of them need to stand up for themselves and maybe do something a little unsportsmanlike to show that they can stand up for themselves and other people can't keep running at them you mean other people trying to protect Erickson Eck not well Eck maybe being a little more aggressive he just you know, gives him the goofy grin once in a while. Right, right. He, oh, he, he so you're thinking that he should fight. Yep. Or, or, um, and, and then the same thing with the, the Boldies and the Rossies, and yeah. some of them are getting run at. I remember... Well, I love that Rossi stands up for himself. I mean, this guy is also take, at the net taking punches, and he's giving it right back, and he's an undersized guy, and we've seen Boldy get upset, and the truth will, you know, I, uh, one big reason why I want to... I'm hoping that they make the playoffs besides the fact that I don't want to stop April 15th is... is like, I want to see if Boldy takes the next step in the playoffs because at some point he has got to, and I want to see if it happens and not give him a summer off to, to not get see that maturation in his game because he's got to play more of an in-your-face, aggressive game. Um, in terms of uh, Erickson Eck um, and Selke, um, you know, maybe I will say that it, it's just, and I don't want to rip on my fe fellow Professional Hockey Writers Association brethren, but we're lazy voters, man. Like, like, that's why, like, like Connor Bedard can miss the rest of the year and we're going to still have 25, 30% of our people not even think twice about voting them. I mean, that's just the way some of our people are. And, um, and they're not going to look dig deep into Faber. And I don't think they're going to look dig deep into Eric Snack. They're just going to go, all right, no, can't vote for Bergeron this year. So we'll just go back to Barkov and Kopitar and, and those guys, um, Couturier, now he's back. Yeah, um, I think a couple things would have to happen. Number one is the Wild probably have to make the make some kind of a of a playoff push where he gets seen by more people. Number two is, and I this I think is legit. He's got to become a dominant faceoff guy. Yeah, and he still has yet to have a season where he's at fifty percent. He's he looks like he should be of a. a just an absolute warrior on the faceoff dot. But if he can become that 53, 54% guy, like a Jordan Stahl, like we just saw in Carolina, he's at 57%. And nobody wants to face off against this guy. If Eck becomes that guy, where now all of a sudden he's taking 24 draws a night and he's winning 14 of them at key points in games, I think that would also help him. Because I think to Michael's point, otherwise, guys just, they go by reputation more than reality. If you talk to coaches, they know they don't want to face Erickson Eck. They're keeping their best line away from him. But in order for others to get, to start to go down that road, I think I think one of those two things or maybe both have to happen. I will say this. His underlying numbers haven't been as good this year. Uh, it was really good for a while. And then actually, coincidentally, I don't know if you have a theory for this, during his offensive slump, his defensive numbers took a turn too. I don't know if it's because of all the injuries that he was just getting scored on a lot. Um, I don't know if it's because he's not on a so-called checking line this year. So he, but for whatever reason, his actual defensive matrix this year have uh, at least the last 15 games haven't been as 
dominant as they have been the last couple. Yeah. Um, Part of that, he's been on a line that's, it isn't built like the old grief line. Yes. When you exactly, look, I was looking at some of the numbers from that season because he's playing with Marcus Johansson to right. somebody's well, point and Matt Boldy. I mean, and, and we were, but we were talking about the lines from when Heinz went back to the Hartman Zuccarello Kaprizov line. It prompted me to go back to that season to just see exactly how good they were when together and that line was the best in the NHL in terms of expected goals against per 60. And they were, I think, number three and expected goals for when on the ice. There were so many nights where when the game was off, Dean would throw that group out there and they'd change the momentum of a game yeah. with a couple of shifts. And the Wild don't have that line right now. Maybe maybe that's why Erickson X game is a little different because he's not in that role. They don't have that line where it's, I don't care if you guys score or don't score, but I know one thing that isn't going to happen. That line isn't going to score tonight if they're playing against you guys. And so maybe that's ultimately where where he he's at his best. We'll see. And, oh, I mean, but he's having a hell of a year. I mean, the guy's yeah, on a 35-goal pace. He's coming off a broken leg. And, you know, you just, like, even when I was sitting with him uh, in, in, in Sweden this summer, like he he looked at me deep down. He's like, until I strap it on, like I'm not gonna know one how it feels, how I feel, and how my game has changed. And clearly that hasn't changed. I mean, didn't he score? He scored like the first goal of the season. Um, and he just he's he's the one of the gutsiest hockey players I've ever covered. Uh, the way you know, to your point, he just is willing to go to the net and take punch after punch after punch. I know it doesn't make his mom super thrilled to just see this and. You know, I, I, I pray to goodness, like, like years from now, he's fine because it is not healthy to take the punches he takes right. on an every night basis. Well, the, and that's why I just think at some point the refs also need to step in and say, this is not appropriate. You know, like last night, um, I shouldn't say, I probably shouldn't say this, but like, like I'm, I'm, I was sitting with Brian Bellows somewhere or two nights ago, maybe it was yesterday. Yeah. And like, you know, this is a unbelievable hockey player and just the injuries that he still has to deal with over you know, wrist injuries and knee injuries and just walking around like a beaten up. And you just realize when you see somebody that is in incredible shape, like Brian Bellows, that has had such an unbelievable career, the wear and tear on these guys' bodies that they, that affect them in their fifties and sixties. And, and you just like, you know, you just hope that Eric's neck years from now, doesn't have to deal with like, you know, whatever repercussions have from being punched in the face 10 times a game in front of the refs. You know, yeah. like he well, has every right to go to the net. He doesn't have every right to every night have to get punched in the face over and over and over again and have the refs either sit there and do nothing or send both. Like it's never just a power play for the other, for the wild, you know? Yeah. And his willingness to go my, and pay my the point price. with that. Is, is there a strategy? If at some point he just went ballistic on somebody and the linesmen and the refs see that later on and it changes the reputation that he's one you can keep hitting and hitting and nothing will ever happen back. No, I don't think anything okay. has to do with that. Yeah, I don't yeah. either. Yeah. I just think they got to start. They've got to decide. And, and him what, going nuts on somebody is not going to stop people from continuing going nuts I think they it. just have to decide what they want in the league. Yeah. Do you want to watch guys like Zach Parisi get cross-checked in the back for eternity and say that we'd rather watch Brendan Dillon cross-check people than Zach Parisi score goals and when you come to that realization, and I'm not saying like you need to turn it into a no contact league. Actually, I think they should go the other way. I yeah. think they're they're doing too much to take contact where it's true contact out of the game, but they allow the jackass play in front of the net to continue. And I just don't know why. And it's I mean it's but it is also it's the nature of the sports. You play pro sports for a while. I, I sat down with uh with um with Alex Ovechkin today down at the rink. That's why I went down there today because I'm working on a number of stories that I needed OV for, and um, I should say where Joe Smith and I and a couple other writers. Um, and so OV, you know, afterwards he was getting treatment, and then he came in there, and this guy looked like he had been through the ringer. He's like, I got to sit down, and he just sat down, stooped in his stall, and I just sat with him for a while. Um, and this is this is somebody that's been one of the greatest goal scorers of all time that has not had a deal with the punches to the face, and he's wearing it. You know, like it's it's. You know, it's a it's it's a tough sport that these guys play. Um, got a question from a Brian Dahl text. Never message. heard of him. Yeah, he wants to go. Uh, is Lapanta out of running for husband of the year? 
I don't know. I've won it several times, so I, I think he, I think his point was is Margot lightened up as she gotten used to like is the anticipation of February, yeah, where she now You're can just, just get as hammered as she always me does. In trouble at home, aren't you? Yeah. After you labeled the show Moody Margot a few shows ago, yeah, it's um, I I don't know. I, I don't think right now she's willing to nominate me, but this is 2024. I was pretty damn good in 23. I don't know. I've seen some issues. <laughs> Let's What's just up? say January hasn't been the best month yeah. at my house. Yeah. You can't have a question for us. You're a beat writer. We we should I, have questions for I you. Wanted, I wanted to ask you about the PWHL and okay, what, cool. what you've thought about so far. By the rule, make sure you follow her on Twitter, HL rule. Correct. Uh, yes. Twitter. She's one of the greatest beat writers in town, covers the twins, covers everything, hockey, PWHL. <laughs> She's a master stringer, everything. So everybody knows what a stringer is in the business, right? So stringer in, in, in sports writing is what we call a freelance, like somebody that freelances, they, you string, you go to a game. I don't know the genesis of it, but sometimes I realize that people don't know uh, sports writing sayings, so I should probably clarify what that is. It's like we have a kid at uh, the Athletic Harmon, and he asked me the other day, because Rick Tockett likes to say the guys are reading their press clippings, and he asked me when Vancouver was in town last month, we went to dinner, and he goes, I ask you a question, goes, what are press clippings? And it dawned on me that a kid his age, even as a sports writer, doesn't even know what clippings are because he's never lived in the day and age where you get newspaper clippings. He had no idea what clippings were. But Rick Taka, it's this old school guy, and he, his point was, and, I, and then he's, I'm like, don't take him literally. He's saying that the reason why they're not playing role right now is because they're reading their clippings. It's not that they're literally reading. It's a saying. All right. So, so that was a great yeah. little tangent there. I'm always just hear what the question is. <laughs> Uh, well, that kind of makes me sad. I, I keep all of the newspaper clippings of stuff that I write. But anyway, um, the PWHL, just how much you guys have watched of it and what you think of the quality of the league and what's maybe surprised you or impressed you about it so far. Well, I think this team has been really impressive. I mean, Heisey is just uh, awesome. And I think that Natalie, I think one thing that she did different than a lot of teams out there, or the other five teams out there, is she brought in a really small camp because she wanted a competitive camp with great, great hockey players where I think a lot of teams run in 40, 50 people to camp. I don't know if that's one big reason why uh, they've been good. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of stories that we have coming up uh, at The Athletic. I mean, we're working on a big Heisey uh, story. Actually, Haley Salvin and our uh, PWHL writer, our women's hockey writer, is working on that right now. Um, I've been really impressed with the attendance that they're getting. Um, you know, we'll see. I have something I want to say just about the league, but I'm not going to say it. Hopefully the league becomes a little well-run. There's just some, been some very peculiar things, you know, like here, here's one, one example. Ottawa's chartering to Minnesota and the wild and the PWHL team in Minnesota were not allowed to charter to them. They had a flight to Montreal commercially and boss to Ottawa. Like, like stuff doesn't make sense. And this team also had a uh, contract with sun country to do their charters. And the league said, no, it was, going to be a you know a unfair competition against the other teams they couldn't have charter companies the next thing you know Ottawa's chartering here like there's just weird stuff that goes on in this league and maybe it's just because they're so quickly started up this league but but um but it's been really fun to watch this team and and also to me the support when I was in the airport yesterday and I saw somebody wearing a high Z jersey just walking around the airport I just thought that was really neat I haven't had a chance to watch them at all yet just because they've been playing when we've been on the road, but they're going to be a part of Hockey Day. That we're carrying one of their games on our extra channel that day. So it, I'm excited about that. It's kind of cool that that'll be a part of it. I, we've got a women's college game, I, I believe, also on the extra that day. So there's, there's six games, four on the main channel and two on the extra, and I know the, the PWHL games on the extra that day. So And the, the crowds have been terrific from what I've heard. So I, I'm, ex, I'm excited that it's going well I, I don't understand why they don't have nicknames in their league but well uh, yeah when i thanks for reading the natalie darwitz story where it was explained oh um can you send me a login info so I can yeah i know uh no i mean uh, they really fast-tracked the beginning of the season i mean even when minnesota was named a team they didn't know a week before that minnesota was getting a team everything was fast-tracked and they i think that what what uh, what it came down to is because things were so quick they wanted everything done perfectly for next year. So they have the random jerseys with these, this color scheme, and then they'll come up with names for the teams and logos and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, uh, although I kind of like the purple. I don't know. Uh, that's just me. I know that when Natalie saw it, she was like, what? 
<laughs> so uh, at first, I think they said she thought it had to do with the Vikings. Next thing you know, it was no Prince. And even then, it was just like, all right. Any other questions before we wrap up the show? Again, if you're listening at home and listening here, um, we will be doing the uh, drawing for the autographed Kaprizov jersey on Tuesday. Hannah, our social media manager, will tweet out the winner. And then Hannah will reach out to you if you uh, won on how to get you the jersey. Our next live show is February 8th at Tuttle's. will be February 21st at Elsie's. And final question of the show, wearing the Grief Line t-shirt. I like it. There you All go. right. Just a quick one. So I was just curious, um, Mason Shaw's return, yeah. like how that's looking and where do you think he'll fit in the lineup or if he'll be coming? Well, a lot of it, I don't know what, how long Dewar's out, but the fact they put him right away on injury reserves would tell you that, that he's going to be out for a while. Um, now that they are in LTI, uh, obviously you need to save, they have seven and a half million dollars worth of cap space, but you know, they need room to go out and bring up call-ups as we've seen here that counts. So they've had Raska up and Letary's technically up and, and uh, Lucini's up. So that, you know, 775, that eats quickly. So now if you give a Mason Shaw a $775,000 contract, that lowers the ability. Like you might have to only trade for a $2 million defenseman or keep it really light. Um, but to your question, uh, I think that he'll be in the lineup right away. I think that's one reason why their penalty kill has struggled. If you remember, their penalty kill didn't take a turn for the South last year until he tore his ACL. And then obviously he wasn't in the playoffs. So I think that um, now they have the money to sign him. As long as he continues uh, being healthy down in Iowa and get some games under his belt for a while, they, they have the ability to sign him to an NHL deal by March 8th. They have to do it by the trade deadline. So a uh, good final question. Thanks to everybody for coming in. March, uh, February 8th is our next live show. That's over in Hopkins at Tuttle's. Uh, we'll be excited. Thanks to Grain Belt for their awesome cheeseburger fries and uh, Grain Belt. Uh, glasses oh they're the pint glasses we got to get yeah, one there's of a whole bunch of them out here yeah we got to get well you guys drink a lot holy crap <laughs> look how many pints of grain belt were sold today brandon all right thanks for, uh, for everybody for joining us at the aquarius home services studio on location um thanks to huxley optical thanks to livia bosch law firm twill in the adina galleria aquarius home services your local authorized dealer for Kinetico water treatment systems cooling plumbing electrical work all that and uh, Royal Credit Union, thanks for Anthony for not only showing up on time, but even like five minutes early, early today. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, the, right. the under was the winner tonight. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, yep, A-F a and men, yep.